Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 166. Let's roll. And it feels like the first episode of the Dynasty offseason where we really dive in and Everybody knows the annual first show of that offseason, I'm always joined by Felix Sharp. So I've got Felix, who's going to be here in just a moment. But just wanted to give a couple shout-outs to our team at the Undroppables. Amazing stuff going on right now. i got to tell you, so so many cool things going on at the Undroppables. Obviously, the site. uh, We just recently uh, did a two-round mock draft. Maybe me and Felix will touch upon that a little bit and what he thought of that. I know he did catch that, uh, but that mock draft was a, a lot of fun. So the website has got some cool content, obviously updated dynasty rankings, etc. My anatomy series, uh, I've got some of it done. It's about ready to drop pretty soon, probably by next week. Um, we have uh, uh, Chalk's Art of Dynasty up on the, uh, on the site as well. That's a must-see. We just welcomed... Uh, Travis Seal and Dan Wisner, uh, Trav and Wiz to the team. They're doing amazing stuff. You got to go check out uh, Trav's work on YouTube. Uh, He's got a new show called Unraveled, uh, where he's unpacking team and player situations from each team. Just a really great show. All the socials are now going. Uh, Travis uh, is doing a ton of work on Instagram, TikTok, a lot of cool stuff, rankings and and fun stuff. So make sure you go follow the Undroppables there. Um, You know really kind of some slick stuff going on. So that and more, I mean, just that and more, we've got, you know, Abe doing the, the honest jets show. So if you're a New York jets fan, we've got a, a, a pod dedicated specifically to the New York jets. Everybody knows I hate the jets, but I love podcasts. So this one's got me mixed up, but just a ton of great stuff. So go check us all out. Hit me up on Twitter. Anything you need to know, I'll send you in the right direction for all this awesome content. But Some of my favorite content and some of the favorite stuff I love doing and consuming is rookie content. And you know what? The numbers say all you degenerates love it too. So we're going to lean in together. One thing I wanted to mention uh, about how I kind of go about it personally, this is me. Everybody's got a different process and everybody's got a different way of getting to the same place. But here's the way I look at it. Most of our rookie drafts or most of the leagues I play in, almost all of them, actually, I think, you know, I don't play in a single league. I think I've got 17 or 18. We're doing a couple startups this offseason, which, by the way, I've got a really cool uh, project I'm doing. We're going to do me and Chalk are going to have the final level. So we're going to basically me and Chalk are going to co-manage a semi high stakes uh, team and invite some some people to try and defeat the final level, which is me and Chalk co-managing a team. That'll be a lot of fun, but most of the most of the leagues we're in are all dr- rookie drafts right after the actual NFL draft. So that pushes it out to May, sometimes June, but certainly not sooner than that. So what that tells me in my process, and for most of you, it's the same, that we have time. So if you have time, that means don't rush. So I'm not rushing. What I'm trying to do is start to plug to Travis, unravel this and figure it out as we go along. Me and Felix talked about our our show last year and we were starting to unravel some of those things like Felix called Will Levis not going in the first round. And many of you 
will say, oh, that was that was definitely going to happen. But you know what? It wasn't going to happen. At that point, he was a top five pick, consensus everywhere. And you start to hear these types of these perspectives from smart people like Felix, and you start to unravel it. Me, personally, I don't know college football that well. So what I try to do is take a 30,000-foot view and then just get closer and closer and closer. I don't have time to do film work on every single player, and many of you guys don't either. But I do have time to do some good film work on players that I think can maybe split the difference. Those were Puka Nakua types and uh, Tank Dell types last year that ended up making us money. So that's what we're going to try and do. We're going to hear all that and more from Mr. Felix Sharp. So without further ado, let's bring out Mr. Felix Sharp. You can find Felix on Twitter at Sharp Review. Mr. Felix Sharp. What's going on, buddy? Campus to Canton is in the building. Always enjoy being with you, Jax. Um, this is, I don't know. This is like I should get a five timers jacket like SNL. I, I feel like we're easily uh, approaching approaching that level. So um yeah, yep. enjoy bre- being with you here. Hmm. I love having you. I love having you. We 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 find it. You've got a lot of great energy. You're a great order, uh, but you're really smart when it comes to college football and just knowing the players. Uh you're a good fantasy player. You have one of the, you know best websites and ideas in in the business which is campus to canton uh it's a fun way to play i've been saying it i'll say it one more time sleeper if you build it they will come build it sleeper and it will happen it'll be the fastest growing craze if there's a platform that allows it to be had all in one space right where you can literally promote from college to pro it would be the fucking rave so you're right. The idea is absolute money, and what you're doing is awesome. So I just wanted to say that. I, I appreciate you saying that. And one of these days, we're going to get uh, someone at a legacy media company or one of these big fantasy companies that understands college football. Right now, quite frankly, that's not the case. Um, right. The people in leadership at these places, they do not do not watch or understand college football. So that's a bridge that we have to cross, but we are working on it, our momentum uh, is 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 building and it will happen that wall is going to come down eventually yep yep and you will have been on the right side of history as always so speaking of being on the right side of history nice job i remember hey listen last year on the show i i, I mentioned in the open you said i bet anthony richardson goes ahead of will levis and it was like whoa People, this was like, you know, this time of year, trust me, it was not the take. And then you said, as a matter of fact, I want the odds to bet that Will Levis does not go in the first round. And I was like, those odds would be unbelievable. And you're like, yeah, that's why I want them. Give them to me. And so that was the best bet I've ever heard. It was such a great call. No one saw that coming. We really didn't even see that coming. And motherfucker was in the green room and he was, you know, patting his hot girlfriend on the ass, just waiting for himself to be picked, if you remember. Yeah, I remember, but uh, to Will Levis's credit, he played well at in, in spurts uh, this year. I mean, he at least um, gave himself the the uh, to be the odds-on favorite to start next year. Obviously, he's going to have that job uh, locked up and go through the offseason as the starter, or at least he should. Um, so yes. let's give him let's give him credit for that. If they add some weapons around him, I think if you got Will Levis rostered, you probably took him what in the second round. You probably yeah. feel good, especially in superflex league. So no, he didn't go in the first round of the draft, but um, he still showed enough uh, that that the Titans should continue to see what what's there to be mined. Yeah, a thousand percent. He's 
me and Chalk did a, a pod a couple of weeks back, uh, two weeks back, and we did every quarterback situation in the NFL. We went fast, and we were unanimous that, yeah, we think he's the week one starter uh, almost, you know, like 90 to 99% that he's going to be the first week one starter in 2024. So I agree. Um, yeah, he, he, he earned it, and he played well. And, look, that's one of the things we're going to get to a little later in the show is the quarterbacks. They're so, so difficult. It's so, so difficult to figure this thing out. I did my, you know, I start my anatomy series and I started it with um, the quarterbacks. And I, so I finished actually the, the, the quarterbacks. It's done. It's in the can. And, you know, when I did that, you know, the, 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 the task of doing the anatomy for the elite quarterbacks, I, I expanded it from 12 to 15 quarterbacks because, you know, right there in that, like, you know, eight to 15 there's a lot of difference of opinion. So I decided to, to expand it to 15, but that brings in players like Jordan Love, Anthony Richardson is in. These guys were sort of, um, you know, rule breakers. The, these guys do not fit the, 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 the traditional anatomy of an elite quarterback. And, you know, Will Levis is not on the list. He also sort of misses on a few key data points. Maybe, maybe that's changing a little bit. I don't really know, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. And data doesn't always really evaluate quarterbacks that well anyway there's otherwise you know it's just really really hard to do I guess nobody evaluates quarterbacks very well eh I mean I I, Jax you know I kind of just watch and see uh is this player making NFL type plays I mean that's why I come across players like you know Zach Wilson Anthony Richardson when he was playing wide receiver in the bowl game against Oklahoma um uh, Jake Hayner and some guys that we're going to talk about tonight, because I don't care what level of football it is when you are on the right hash and you take a five step drop and you throw that ball uh, outside the number to, to the left outside the numbers. And that ball doesn't go more than, you know, eight or nine yards off the ground. You could be playing peewee football and that's an NFL throw. So I just kind of like looking for that stuff and hopefully the data will back it up. Hopefully, you know, their yards per attempt will be somewhere in that 10 range. Hopefully their completion percentage will be somewhere around 60%. Hopefully they show some ability to navigate the pocket and avoid pressure, uh, even if they don't have the ability to just run. So um, those are kind of the things that I look for um, as, you know, we play and we play campus to can leagues. It's, it's imperative for us to find gems because, you know, the rookie class is already rostered by the time it gets to the NFL. So we got to do right. some digging. Yeah. And, and for dynasty guys, I was watching, um, you know, obviously yeah, your campus Canton, you're, you're, you're picking these guys, you know, out of the womb. Uh, but you know, for us dynasty guys who are basically picking rookies, you know, I was listening to Edelman on the, uh, uh, on the new Heights pod when he was with, um, you know, the Kelsey brothers. And, and he was talking about, how they basically asked him uh, whether or not Wes Welker sort of helped him along. And, and he got into talking about how basically he didn't. And then he was talking about how he, he what uh, Julian Edelman literally uninvited moved to California because he found out that's where Tom Brady was living in the off season. He, he rented a hotel room and stayed for three months and the first year when he was a rookie, Tom only talked to him like once and he didn't really practice with him. He just lived there for three months and nothing fucking happened. And then by the second or third year, by the third year, second year, he, he worked out with him a few times. And then the third year was like four or five times a week. But he sort of forced himself upon Tom. He was like, yo, I'm right here if you need me, bro. And he was like, yeah, I don't need you. And then he was like, you're here? Oh, you know, he sort of 
and then he talked about it like in the in the practice sessions where you know that he'd basically be like tom would if, if you didn't do it right tom was like get this fucking guy out of here you know talking about a wide receiver so you know i wonder if it's just like and he it, and, and edelman brought up jacoby myers as the guy who was like the sponge and guess what jacoby myers makes it Nikhil harry doesn't we didn't know that we don't know that I mean, maybe somebody knew that obviously but you know we didn't know that Nikhil Harry might not have the work ethic and Jacoby Myers is this sponge and is going to take it all in and be where he needs to be every time. So, you know, sometimes those things are just not to be known by guys like us and not to be known by very many people at all. Even those pretty close to these players may not know. As a matter of fact, if you're closer to the player, you probably think he's great. Yeah, I had not heard that story about Wes Welker and Julian mm-hmm. Edelman, but I mean, it's I mean, it's reflective of life, right? When there's not yes. a may a way, uh, make a, a way for yourself, knock down that door. So, um, no respect to them, and uh, uh, we try to get as much of that information as we can about work yeah. ethic and who was a coach's son and who's rooming with who and all of that stuff as we uh, get into. Uh, evaluating these players, we try to get as much of that uh, as much of that information as we can. Well, let's let's do that. Let's start to unravel who's rooming with Malik Neighbors right after this. Okay, welcome back. And I did promise that Felix was going to tell me who was rooming with Malik Neighbors. So, you know, spill the beans. I, I nope. actually don't know who's rooming with Malik Neighbors. It probably doesn't matter because no, he's going to go what in the top fifteen or so. Um, yeah, maybe top um, in, five in or his, ten, right? Yeah, and be his quarterback's best friend. Uh, can, who can do you know do a little bit of everything coming up? It's funny because he was a polarizing player coming into this season yeah. for us. Was he a jack of all trades and master of none? Um, and obviously had the season that he did this year uh, with with Jaden Daniels. So um, well, I don't even know right what. There. Let's start right there. Let's start right there. Yeah. You know, Marvin Harrison Jr. feels like, you know, the the, the prodigal son, right? You know, he's got the the lineage. He's he's played at the biggest school, you know, wide receiver you at this point. I mean, unbelievable, Mm -hmm. just string of wide receivers, although LSU maybe even better. I don't know. So both these guys come from the programs that absolutely create superstar wide receivers in the NFL. Um, and somehow or another, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is such a great prospect that we can't say he's not the wide receiver one. If you say he's not the wide receiver one, you're sort of poo-pooed. Now, I would just go back and say that when this – I'm not comparing him to Jerry Judy. I'm just saying when it was Jerry Judy was the wide receiver one in that class, I remember, you know, everybody loved Judy. I was a C.D. Lamb wide receiver one guy, but there was probably some people who really liked Justin Jefferson and were probably shot down for reasons that, that, that don't need to be discussed right now. But the point of the matter is, is we learned from our history that the order of these prospects is not known as how they're going to actually be ordered when they're when they're in the pros. We get it wrong. Consensus gets it wrong every year. And so ultimately, that's what we're trying to figure out. We obviously know that both these players are really good. I guess what I will ask the question is, is Malik Neighbors sort of closer to the wide receiver one or closer to the wide receiver three in this class? No, no, he's closer to the wide receiver one, and I'll tell you why. Because 
what Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do is he's probably going to line up in the boundary and he's going to run your posts, he's going to run your digs, he's going to run your goes and that sort of thing. Malik Neighbors has more versatility to his skill set. And it's funny that we mentioned Justin Jefferson because if you remember at LSU, you had the two outside wide receivers in Jamar Chase and um, Terrence Marshall. And Justin Jefferson was the slot wide receiver. Uh, And now obviously he plays everywhere on the field. And that's exactly what what uh, Malik Neighbors can do. In addition, like if you want him to play the slot and make a tough catch over the middle, he can. If you want him to do the back shoulder, again, even though he's not like somebody with long arms and you know a huge catch radius, he can do that too. So I think the versatility of his game, that as mar- good as Marvin Harrison Jr. is, you're not going to line up in the slot. So be- because of that versatility, uh, Malik Neighbors is closer to wide receiver one than he is to wide receiver I love this take, and I've been feeling this a little bit because of Malik Neighbors' versatility. His versatility is a skill, and and certainly in the NFL, you know, lining up in the slot, whether it's Amon Ross St. Brown, C.D. Lamb, obviously C.D. has been great. Justin Jefferson lines up all over the place. The sort of alpha predators, you know, at the wide receiver position um, generally move around a bit so that they can create their mismatches, so they can be targeted, you know, at 150 to 170 times a season. And, you know, Puka Nakua, another player who seemingly is lining up all over the place um, and running all the different routes. Um, You know, I I just wonder if maybe, I don't know, I I don't know if I'm going to have the guts to pull the trigger on Malik Neighbors over Marvin Harrison Jr. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if I'll have the guts to trade down from the pick that is Marvin Harrison Jr. to pick Malik Neighbors. But I do feel myself tending towards that that direction and, and sort of starting to feel that way about these two prospects. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know. We, you know, we look back in three years and go, imagine that Malik Neighbors is the Justin Jefferson of this class and Marvin Harrison Jr. is, I don't know, the T. Higgins or something. You know, I'm just saying, like, that's well within that's the range of possibilities. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's a good comparison. But, I mean, if we're in rookie drafts, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to go one or two, right? Yep. And then if you're in a super flex league, I think that the three quarterbacks are going to go next. Jane Daniels, Drake May, Caleb Williams. And so you're looking at the earliest, like what? One oh, what is that? I'm not good at math. One oh five for here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I, for, in, in our in our in our rookie mock, I had the one oh two and it went Caleb and I picked Marvin Harrison Jr. with the one point oh two. You know, I started thinking about it. I was I, this is the game play or game theory in my mind is like you know, if I'm getting Amon Ra St. Brown or Puka Nakua or CeeDee Lamb or Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson in Marvin Harrison Jr., that's a first or second round startup pick. Like as long as he does as long as he doesn't fall flat, I feel like he his floor is super, super high, right? In other words, the 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 perceivable floor is maybe like you just said, a Nico Collins uh, you know, T. Higgins type of player which would be, okay, a third or fourth round startup pick, whereas a Drake May, Jaden Daniels could be, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, you know, all these quarterbacks that bust in the first round. And it's like, for safety, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has that. In a super flex league, obviously these quarterbacks are value is sky high, and you really have to think twice. But, gosh, could you imagine having drafted, you know, Josh Rosen over Justin Jefferson? It would hurt. Yeah, it would. Um, and I'm trying to think. So we got Caleb Williams going number one, 
And yep. do the Cardinals have the second pick? Are we talking about pairing? Um, no, Washington. Uh, Washington. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, Washington. Then the, then the Patriots, and then then oh, the Cardinals. God, that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, yeah. let's hope let's hope Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't end up with the <laughs> with the Patriots. Dude, don't do um, it. They're gonna take they're gonna take Marvin Harrison Jr. and like Michael Penix in early round two, and it's gonna be like just. Well, I would like that. I yeah. I would like that. I yeah. mean, Michael Penix Jr. is the perfect pairing because you need a quarterback who's not scared. Because sometimes right. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be quote unquote covered, and you have to right. throw it in his catch radius. Yeah. And what did what did Michael Penix Jr. What has he done since 2020 is throw to Ty Freifogel's back shoulder, to Roma Dunze's back shoulder, Jalen Polk's back shoulder here recently. So I don't know what your feeling is on Michael Penix Jr., but if you got him in the second round and you paired him with with uh, Marvin Harrison, I think that that – Yeah, you could do that worse, skill, right? Yeah, it complements what Marvin Harrison does well. Yeah, I don't know. Here's, I mean, just talk regular football here. If you're the New England Patriots, and it, let's just say it goes fucking Caleb Drake May, right? Mm. Do you have the gumption to pick Marvin Harrison Jr. and bypass the quarterback, which is a just a huge need, and just say we'll figure it out? Like, do you have the balls to do that? I don't know. You know, is it more of a Kirk Cousins type? You know, I talked to my brother, who's you know pretty good at this stuff too, and we were talking. He's like, he's like, I take Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kirk Cousins. He's like, fuck it, you know, it, it, you know, because you're just unsure about those rookie quarterbacks, and you're a you, know, you got to win now defense. You put a couple weapons on the offense, draft some offensive line in the second, third round. You might be okay. I mean, that might be a pretty good team, to be honest. I mean, if you, if you're talking about adding Kirk Cousins, that would be that would be you know just just fine. I mean, I, it, I for Marvin Harrison Jr.'s perspective, you just got to throw it up uh, to his back shoulder again. He's yeah. he's going to run like three or four routes. Uh, right. That dude is what six foot four. He's got long arms. I mean, it, it's. You got so you got some quarter some wide receivers that you kind of have to scheme up. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. You can just line up on, on the outside, and again, even if he's covered, he's going yeah. to be open because we've seen some of these ridiculous catches along the sideline uh, in, in in college where he's getting one foot down and his whole body is out of bounds. And we're going to see more of it uh, next year for whatever team in the top five ends up taking. So it sounds like we both really really like Malik Neighbors. Um, and it sounds like, you know, he's definitely a wide receiver two for you based off your feedback. My next question is Roma Dunze, who, you know, we're going to have that name be butchered by more announcers than any name, I'm sure. Um, just, they're just going to completely fuck that one up. Is he in this tier or is he in a different tier altogether from these two players, do you think? Um, so there's, there's just like last year in the running back class, there was B. John Robinson tier one, Jameer Gibbs clear tier two, and then everybody else. Uh, I think Roma Dunze is in the third tier here with Marvin Harrison Jr. And, um, Malik neighbors ahead of him, but that doesn't mean that he's not a good player. The thing that I love about Roma Dunze's game is, is how often do we talk about how, well, we might, might talk about how explosive wide receivers are, but. Roma Dunze is so reliable catching the ball. And what I mean by that is some of these balls that are thrown over his head or that cause him to contort his body and, you know, make uh, acrobatic basket catches. He can do that. He's super reliable. He has sticky hands. Um, 
I I love that about his game, and I love with these three wide receivers is we've got three guys who can play the the boundary. You know, I three guys who can who can play that a one spot. Uh, and Roma Dunze is one, not on the level of Malik Neighbors or Marvin Harrison Jr., but he should be considered, you know, right there with those guys. Yeah, he certainly statistically looks like the guy. I mean, he was uh, he he you know in his well his junior season, his redshirt sophomore season, I guess he redshirted or whatever. Um, you know, last year, basically his third year, which was in twenty twenty two, he went seventy five, uh, eleven forty five, and seven. This for 15 yards a catch this past year, 92 catches, 1640 and 13 catches. I mean, 13 touchdowns, you know, it's almost 18 yards a catch on 92 catches. That's that's pretty prolific. And, you know, he did have let's, a little let's bit. Not, of, but I don't want to forget with Roma Dunze. He was he was mm-hmm. on the West Coast in 2020. So his freshman season, you know, was cut short by the pandemic. And he's still right. I think they only played four games that year. So yeah. I don't know, you know, they played they played four games, but he played as a true freshman. We're not going to know, you know, what he would have really done. But I mean, 72 yards exactly. on six receptions in four games. I mean, that's nothing, you know, but it's also we just don't right. know. Yeah, we just don't know if he would have come on. It was a weird season. Yeah, the 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 data and the understanding of the of the of the covid season is 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 jacked up. I like to look at true freshman output because if a guy walks on campus and dominates Usually he's a you know pretty pretty solid player. He didn't get that opportunity, nonetheless. Uh, you know, didn't obviously didn't do it because he you know, just couldn't. Uh, in his in that second year, uh, he played nine games. I would imagine they played more than nine games. So I don't know if he was hurt or whatever, but pretty good stat line. You know, forty one for four hundred yards and four touchdowns. I mean, just not bad, just fine. But the ex- uh, but, the explosion yeah. that we saw coincided with Michael Penix Jr. going there, and then we saw his mm. vertical game. Then we saw you know, him get down the field more and his yard per catch average spike up. So when, when Michael Penix Jr. there, that came there, that offense, oh, and Kalen DeBoer actually, and Kalen DeBoer, that offense spiked and both he and Jalen McMillan were the beneficiaries of it. I mean, Rome seems like the, uh, you know, the perfect type of player for the modern NFL. Um, You know, actually he's a little Puka Nakua like, I mean, he's, he's a little bit bigger, six, three, 200. I mean, he's somewhere, you know, I don't know, man. He's he, he he sort of strikes me as a player that can that can do it all as well. I think when you're looking at these top three, I don't think it's I don't think you can really crash this party with any of these other prospects the way that I'm seeing it so far. Again, I haven't done the full deep dive and all the rest of it, but it just feels like these are the three sort of you know blue chippers, if you will, in this in this wide receiver class. Is that how you also feel? Is this is this kind of the end of the blue chip? Um, it depends on how you're defining blue chip, because I think that there are still some other explosive players who could give these two, you know, a run for, I mean, this is a very strong wide receiver class. So I think that we're going to see five or six guys taken in, um, in the first round. And could we have a situation where, you know, where, you know, Zay Flowers outperformed some of the guys in front who taken in front of him, including somebody like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't yeah. think that that's out of the question in, in this class either. Well, so, you know, some of the guys that are uh, projected to go in that first round um, or on the on the on the cusp of being a first round pick are maybe some some more sort of, you know, uh, 
polarizing prospects. I'll start with one of the most polarizing prospects who could be a first round pick, and that's Keon Coleman. I, I'm not. I think you like Keon Coleman, so I'll let you start with Keon Coleman and tell me what your thoughts are here about Keon Coleman, the wide receiver from Florida State. Yeah, he is polarizing, and I have trouble with his evaluation because this, if this was like 1998, I'd be like, yeah, Keon Coleman going in the top 10 because there we go. the NFL played like this big body NFL. Now it's more about separation and, um, uh, you know, leave, uh, causing your, your defensive back to fall step. Keon Coleman is a little bit of a throwback, you know? Yeah. Um, he reminds me somewhat of Nikhil Harry because – we had these guys who were 6'3", 215 pounds, back there returning punts. We see some of these ridiculous catches, but that's it, it's really the route running that wins in, in the NFL now. We don't, it's not a whole bunch of these acrobatic catches. And I was having this conversation with, uh, with Matt Waldman telling him that I'm just – I feel – I have Keon Coleman rostered in a lot of places because, you know, uh, he went to Michigan State. He played basketball there. He, he actually played basketball while he was playing football. So, I mean, that's a rare yeah. athlete. He was only a three-star. But if you're good enough to play basketball at Michigan State, you're going to take notice. Um, and actually had a good last season at Michigan State, too, and that team is not doing really well. Yeah, that's right. You know, he's – he's yes, he can – he can he's physical. He can run after the catch. Um, oh, Walt, Walt – uh, I met, met my conversation with Waldman. He's like, well, what if he's yeah. Nico Collins? What if he's Nico Collins? Like, I don't think you would – you know, uh, identify Nico Collins as some sort of route running savant. He's like a big possession wide receiver. I'm like, mm, yeah, that that actually makes sense. So, um, sure. Do, the one thing I, I'd say I about feel, Nico, though, if we go back for Nico, Nico was like a five star. He was a five star. Yeah, that Michigan just high school right. fucking just absolute stud out of high school, and then in college got the double whammy of run centric coach and terrible quarterback play, right? And then mm-hmm. gets to the pros. And meets Davis Mills and is like, what? Wait a second. I thought I was going to get bailed out. So really had bad quarterback play for like the last fucking five years until CJ Stroud comes in and unlocks him. And so, you know, I was I was on Nico toward the end of the season. Uh, excuse me. I was on Nico this year, especially because toward the end of last season, he he was getting targeted by terrible quarterbacks. So he was earning targets and Nico, that five star pedigree the really run-centric, awful quarterback situation. You know, I think it was Donovan Peoples-Jones was there too and kind of got – you know, we weren't sure what we had there. I think – look, look, Keon Coleman feels like to me, this is just what I'm seeing at the beginning. I don't know. I I can change my tune. I am ready to be wrong. But my feeling here is this is going to be a hard pass for me. And, you know – I, I wasn't this much this far out on Quentin Johnston just because I thought Quentin had maybe some of that like big slot type of thing where he could be like a run after catch kind of, but I was still a little bit more like Quentin Johnston felt a little bit more like LaVisca Chenault maybe, you know, and I was like, uh, not so sure about this one either. And with Keon Coleman, you're right. I do feel a little Nikhil Harry or outside clasher guy that really just never is going to be able to run the full complement of routes and isn't athletic enough or sort of, you know, prolific enough to be this sort of lid lifter. Uh, so I'm very, very dubious of Keon Coleman. And especially if he does kind of get the draft capital, because that means he's going to be like a mid to late first round pick in your rookie draft. At that point, I would be trading back to try and get a, a prospect that's very similar to him or in my eyes, better than him at a cheaper cost. Think 
trading back from Quentin Johnson to Jaden Reed last year. Yeah, and you know, some of those highlight real plays I think might push uh, Keon Coleman up the real NFL draft board. I mean, he had the one-handed yes. catch against Syracuse. Uh, he had the big game to start the season against LSU. Uh, I think that, that made him some money. But when you look at his statistics overall, yeah. yeah, and you look at his statistics overall, I mean, he, he was not really a dominant player. And the wide receiver on the other side, Johnny Wilson, dealt with injury, a lot of injury this year. So, you know, from a skill set perspective, from a st- statistical perspective, I had some hes- hesitation there. He was definitely a player – and I do have him rostered in a bunch of places. Um, yeah. I was trying to move off of him to get, you know, an NFL player, an established NFL player, just wasn't able to do so. But he, you know, as far as consensus goes, from what I can tell, I think I'll be a little bit lower because there are some players, and I hope we're going to get to them. There are some players we're gonna who get just, to them. yeah, they just, they just, they have the well, explosiveness and separation. Let, let, and, and let me get to the next guy because here's what mm-hmm. I think is the, the, I wasn't sure. This was Troy Franklin was my guy um, that I was kind of getting excited about, and then I saw just recently um, a poll on on Twitter where they were like basically picking this spot, and Troy Franklin actually won the spot over you know Ad Mitchell, Brian Thomas, and Xavier Worthy. That was a four man sort of uh, poll, and Troy Franklin won to be the next player drafted. So he's starting to work his way into consensus wide receiver four territory. I was hoping uh, to get Troy Franklin at value. Now, if you're having to pay up, I get a little bit more nervous about him as a prospect. I know that sounds crazy, but it is. I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. What do we think about Troy Franklin? Because one thing we do know is he's going to run fast. Yeah, he is going to run fast. Uh, It's funny. We are now at the point. We've been campus can has been around long enough that we've evaluated some of these players uh, since they were freshmen. And I remember distinctly remembering um, taking Troy Franklin in a like June uh, mock draft before his freshman year. And what you saw in his high school tape was some of these screen passes and, and, and just lots of speed and burst after he catched something around the line of scrimmage um, jet sweeps. He reminded me a little bit of Deshaun Jackson. He's taller, and but same kind of build as Deshaun Jackson. Um, what do I think of Troy Franklin? Yeah, you mentioned he's going to be fast. I would say that he would be a candidate to be the fastest wide receiver uh, at the combine. You know, run a sub four four, probably sub four three eight. I, I think that there's a possibility for him to hit that. Um, he is. He is, and I don't mean this as, as like a pejorative, but he's on the Mar- uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Mm. spectrum of player again no i'm I'm talking about somebody's going to stretch the field i think a lot of his his um routes are going to be vertical routes i don't know if he's going to be the one that makes the tough contested catches like we mentioned with uh roma dunze malik neighbors marvin harrison jr those guys but he's definitely he's going to keep your safeties honest and cornerbacks are going to be scared of you know losing the deep game to him so he could catch the ball there's space between them and run after the catch that way. Not the physical player that somebody like uh, Malachi Corley is, um, but his, I love when players have an elite trait, you know, that makes me yeah. feel comfortable. Some sort of trump card that they can always use to win at the next level while they develop the other aspects of their game. 
And Troy Troy Franklin has it in the in the vertical game in the vertical game he just he just does so I'm if you are if you're saying that you would take Troy Franklin over Keon Coleman I'm I'm probably right there with you oh I'm definitely taking Troy Franklin over Keon Coleman me personally right now if I had to draft for sure that being said though here's where I go with Troy Franklin like number one when we talk about the anatomy of and you mentioned if it's 1998 Keon Coleman over Troy Franklin all day long it's not even close but we're not in 1998 we're in 2024 but you're absolutely a thousand percent right the changing of the position is changing what we're looking for we're looking for guys a little bit more like Troy Franklin my question that I start to ask in my own head and maybe you can sort of chime in is like I start comparing Troy Franklin to a guy like Jordan Addison and I say okay He's probably faster, but is he? He's probably not as nuanced, but like, is he close to? I haven't done the film work on him, so I don't know. Maybe you haven't either. I don't know. But is he? Is he gonna? When I watch the film, do you think I'm gonna see something closer to Jordan Addison as a nuanced player in the intermediate? I think Jordan Addison is a more well rounded player. Um, I think that that's why I compared. Uh, Troy Franklin to Marquez Valdez Scantling. Please stop. Because that. when you please stop doing that, you're going to hurt. But me when you listen, but listen, <laughs> this is but what what when you think of MVS, you think of him really only running vertical. Yeah. Routes, you know when I I think and of Jordan Addison, Troy Franklin will catch the ball. I'm not saying okay. that Troy Franklin is not going to catch the ball, but I'm also not going to throw. I'm not if I get to the two yard line, I'm not gonna throw Marquez Valdez yeah. Scantling a fade route. That's what like and I'm not gonna do it with Troy Franklin either. I will right. do it with some of these other guys, and I think that that's the point that I'm trying yeah. to make. But I just I think that Jordan Addison is a is a more versatile player. And I also don't I don't see yeah. Troy Franklin playing the slot at all. You, okay. I think that Jordan Addison can line up at all three positions. Troy Franklin is gonna be a flanker or you're gonna somewhere where he's gonna stretch the field. I don't see him you know, being as versatile as as Malik Neighbors, where you bring him inside and ask him to make that tough catch while taking a hit from, you know, Brian Branch or some nickel or yeah. linebacker over the middle. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he earned targets this year. You know, he earned targets as a sophomore, too. I mean, he, he caught 61 balls as a true sophomore, you know, not bad in 13 games. So, you know, he, he Troy Franklin is going to be someone that I'm looking at very, very closely um, when it comes to film, this is the guy that actually, you know, you sort of start to split the difference because, you know, you talk about a guy last year, like Jalen Hyatt, who played in an offense, like that's kind of the point. Is he closer to Jalen Hyatt or closer to Jordan Addison? I know he's in, be- well, maybe he's not in between. Maybe he's, cl- is he closer to Jalen? Let me Hyatt? tell you, let me tell you why he's not Jalen Hyatt. Because Jalen Hyatt played in a gimmicky offense in college where he, sometimes he was even lined up outside, but behind, like stacked behind another wide receiver. Troy yeah. Franklin has excellent like press moves off the line of scrimmage. That's not that should not be, you know, an issue for him. Now that's in college. He is a little bit thinner, but as far as so so strength might be an issue. He has to get stronger to get off the line. But as far as his like footwork and quickness and in stacking corners, that's not an issue for him. That is not something we saw with Jalen Hyatt. I even traded Jalen Hyatt for like right in the midst of his Blitnikoff award winning season for because I didn't believe in him. I do believe yeah. in what in what um Troy Franklin can do. Mm. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I think we got that. So that this is the other guy that I think of when I think about that next guy off the board, the guy just after Roma Dunze. For me I keep waiting in, for you to say the names that I like. I keep waiting, but hey, I'm gonna get there. The next guy that I'm starting to think about is actually Xavier Worthy because Xavier Worthy starts to remind me more 
of Tank Dell and players of that ilk who actually can can get open. Did I stumble upon a name that you like, or am I still digging a deep hole here? Nope, nope. I, I like Xavier Worthy. I think that his um uh the con- the consensus opinion on Xavier Worthy has kind of faded back to kind of what I expected. Like after that freshman season, he had a freshman season that is right up there with um, Mike Williams at USC, Rondell Moore at at Purdue. You know, just just explosive player. But and he is he he. He can run double moves. He can make you look silly. He has a terrible – he's really small, but he has a terrible time um, catching the ball. He has a terrible mm. time. He's going to drop – he's going to frustrate players because, uh, players because he does drop the ball, but he's going to be – he's going to have those routes where he's got like seven yards on a cornerback and everybody's standing up, and, and he, he'll catch them, and he might drop some of them. Um, you, I think you pretty – you saw his yards per catch average drop in his – junior or his junior and sophomore years because Quinn Ewers was not really good deep. And that is where he really excels it is deep. Um, yeah. Uh, that yeah, should be able- fewer, few, fewer touchdowns, fewer yards per catch in his uh, sophomore junior season. Yeah. I just tend to think like is Xavier worthy. One of these tank Dell um, Zay flowers types where we're going to be excited for him as a sort of a, you know, uh, they're going to, they're fast enough to get deep, right, to make plays downfield, but also skilled enough to, you know, catch bubble screens and, and run yes. after catch, catch, yep. you know, little little flat routes and, and try and get speed to the to the edge. T- plays like that where they can get, you know, five to five to six targets a game and actually be a worthwhile player in year one for you on your fantasy team, you know? Yeah, and I see I see why you would compare them to Tank Dell because their body types are similar. Yes. Um and Tank Dell kind of, I feel like his game evolved when he went to the, like he, maybe so the good. combination with he and, and uh, CJ Stroud. Uh, yeah, so good. Xavier Worthy might have more in his bag also, but yes, I mean, I don't know. I, I he He's probably going to be taken in the second round somewhere. And again, just like Troy Franklin, an elite skill set, he can do a lot of the things that Troy Franklin can do. He's just in a smaller package, if, if that's, if that's fair. Um, so yeah, I you should be excited when you take Xavier Worthy. Just don't when when he drops the ball, you know, on that third Sheesh. on that on that on that third and nine, and he got past a a corner for a oh, touchdown, Jesus. and he dropped it. Don't don't say I didn't tell Ugh. you so. But he's still but he's going oh to make God. his share his fair share of big plays. Also, the only problem is the only problem with Xavier Worthy, and I don't I, I don't think that this is an issue. Is I wonder if he is um if he profiles as a player who's going to get a lot of volume because he's smaller, because he's, you know, a right. vertical guy and some of these vertical guys like Jamison Williams just stretch the field and they don't get the slants and the, the crossers right. on uh, right. that, you know, where we scheme them open. Um, that, that would be my only concern, but you know, he, he can develop his game to be an, a, a number one down the line. All right, so I'm I'm going to ask it this way, Felix. You know, here we are. We've we've talked about this guy, that next guy, and you're like itching. You're itching to mention the next guy. I'll ask you, who's the next guy? It, it's two. Do we want to start with Devontae Walker or Lad, Lad McConkey? Which one? Which one do we want to start with? I love it. No, you start with who you think you should start with. How's that? Let Let me start with Lad McConkey here, okay? Okay, because. I had him in my top 
I don't know, 17 or so in my rankings at the website and was thoroughly verbally abused, mocked and ridiculed for that. Take. Mocked and ridiculed. And, hey, and now you need to get a you need to have a t-shirt mocked and ridiculed. That's what it is. Mocked and ridiculed. <laughs> I mean, I it, I was. I was made fun of. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you got like so this guy um man. I I'm sorry. I know I, I'm supposed to talk here, but I'm trying not to use hyperbole. Um he can play all so three good. positions. Yeah. I love the fact that he absolutely can take a hit over the middle while catching the ball. Um, so he can do all the slot wide receiver stuff. I think people are going to compare him to like uh who's my man, uh Hunter Renfro because he's white. Yeah, because he's white, right. Because he's white. This dude is is closer to Malik Neighbors, in my opinion, than he is than he is Hunter Renfro because you can line him up on the outside and you can throw the back shoulder to him and he has great body control to come back for the ball. But the, and I said this in June, the thing that separates him is he will lose cornerbacks on double moves. And we saw this year, he had this viral moment. I think it was against Tennessee where he cooked somebody for a touchdown. He I'm not going to say the name, but he moves. J.J. Watts, I'm going to just give you some clues. J.J. Watts, former teammate, Soaring Eagle Casino, 131. That's who he reminds me of. Um, And you can DM me at Sharp Review (laughs) if you can can pick up the clues that I'm leaving here. I think Ladd McConkey, if there was – okay, so a couple of years ago, we we said um, Elijah Mitchell and – and Ramondre Stevenson, if there's one yeah. guy, and then last year it was Anthony Richardson for me, if there's one guy at this position where I had to say, get grab him, it it would be Ladd McConkey because he can literally do everything. He can do everything. He can win mm. deep. He can play in the slot. He can run after the catch. He can return punts. He can do everything. So give me Ladd McConkey. Ladd McConkey has 13 rushing attempts for 16 yards per rush in his career at Georgia. I don't know what that means, but that means something, man. This kid is something. I mean, he's listed at six foot 185. That is pretty close to perfect. He didn't play in 2020. I don't know why. Uh, looks like a red shirt season again. Obviously, the 2020 season being his freshman year was also the COVID year. Maybe you can lend some some perspective to that. Not that important. But in his first year playing, put up 447 yards and five touchdowns as a redshirt freshman, or if you want to call him a sophomore, and was pretty productive after that. In, 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 his, in his final season, which is his 2023 season, only played nine games. Was he hurt again? Uh, and do we have injury issues here with, with Ladd McConkey, Mr. Felix? Yeah, we do have injury issues. He dealt with like a back injury this year, and I think he was injured in 2022 also. Uh, okay. We got to remember, though, Ladd McConkey, three-star recruit, okay, at Georgia. Georgia, you know, the pinnacle of college football. So he had to, 
you know, surpass these four and five star highly touted guys to get on the field. That could be why he didn't play in 2020. I also think he might have been a high school quarterback. I can't remember if that's true or not. So, yes, he has dealt with injury. I thought that this year was going to be the year that he absolutely explodes. But I mean, I don't know. He only played like six games or something this year. Yeah which is another reason why he may be a value is because if you just box score scout him, it's funny, both yeah. of these guys, I forgot Devontae Walker because of eligibility didn't play a full season either. Um, but um, yeah, I forgot what the question was, but, but he no, can, no, no. he can do you, everything. You I didn't even know what the, I, mean, ru- I didn't even yeah, realize I mean, he had the, those rushing stats either. Look, he's going to be a s- second round pick, right? I mean, or at least that's what, you know, that's what we're seeing in the mock draft database and, you know, some of the, some of the mock drafts is, so he's being valued by the NFL. We, we don't always know this. I mean, we talked, you know, last year we talked and I remember it was early in the year and I remember saying, dude, you know, Sean Tucker and, and Zach Evans might not get drafted as early as we think. And sure enough, both of them were seventh round and undrafted. So, you know, we, we, we sort of see this stuff coming, but <clears throat> the wide receivers are generally a little bit easier to, 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 to see, and I think he's going to be at least a day two pick, you know, uh, round three at the latest. And he does kind of have the skill set of the modern NFL, right? Um, you know, not overly big, not too small, but quick and fast. Is he, you know, he gets compared to the white slot guys, but that's not all that bad anyway. I mean, because, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, look, the volume slot is, is look, I'll, I'll draft that guy. Let, let me have him. Uh, especially if he's got some upside. I mean, uh, I, I am I am excited to think about what Lad McConkey could be at the next level, and can't wait to do the film work on him because I don't have an opinion. But you know, I don't know, man. I'm just excited now. Tez Walker, uh, different type of player. What what's going on with Tez? So I, you know, I. I I don't know if how people if they follow college football, but uh, Devontae Walker transferred from Kent State uh, this past offseason to go to UNC. Kent State is where uh, Deion Sanders took the head coach to be their offensive coordinator. So uh, Tez Walker last season was playing in that offense that Shadour Sanders is is throwing the ball in. Um, he was a player who kind of jumped off the screen uh, against Georgia last year. He caught this long screen pass for a touchdown for a touchdown. And if you watch the play, I mean, people know what George's defense, he got athletes all over the field. The Eagles are always drafting him. This dude is outrunning their, this secondary, right? Um, just kind of make, just, they can't get an angle on him. And it's like a, it's like an 80 yard touchdown run. And he caught it. He yeah. caught it one, like one yard beyond the line of scrimmage, just outran everybody. Then had an excellent season. He he attacks the ball aggressively uh, up in the air. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, I forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, David at solving football on Twitter. Has, I went, I went, I went to go find this tweet. I couldn't find it because David never actually posts the player's name. But he was playing like in the McDonald's All American game with some of these guys who are in the NBA now and blocking shots. Okay, um, he reminds me a lot of Martavius Bryant. Long right. strides will get on you quickly. He can attack the ball aggressively in the air. Um, just, I, I don't know, just an explosive player, like vertically up, up jumping and running down the field. Yeah. I love me some Tez Walker. I drafted him 
in the first round in a, of, in a lot of Campus to Canton supplemental drafts drafts this year, right there, mm. you know, behind behind Arch Manning and guys like that. So um, that's how much I believed in him. Now his story was he was he was declared ineligible to start the season, so he did not get to start this season with UNC, and then was declared mm. eligible like halfway through the season. And Jax, I don't have the stats in front of me, but you look at what he did as soon as he got on the field. He was balling. Uh, he was Drake May's number one target, just like we thought he would be. Um, and I think that he has the ability to be the, a number one target uh, at the next level, where I'm not sure that Xavier Worthy will be. I'm not sure that Troy Franklin would, will be. I think Devontae Walker will be. So I don't know where, what, where consensus is on Devontae Walker, but I would pr- probably be higher on him than most. Well, our boy Kyle uh, Larson, who you know uh, is is right there with you, uh, drafted him at like the 108 or something like that in our in our in our draft. I know Kyle likes to make some statements with his picks and and drafted a couple of your boys, uh, one of them being Tez Walker. So he, yeah, he walked on the field and um, you know in his you know first three games had six six and eleven catches and went for 43, 132, and one hundred and forty six yards. Had four touchdowns in those three games, so yeah, sort of walked on and and made it happen for North Carolina midseason. Which you're right, does say a lot because I mean, if he was ineligible, they're like, you know, they're 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 moving on without him. So for him to sort of walk onto the field at North Carolina and put up those types of numbers, for sure, he must be uh, must be a pretty good little player. Um, so yeah, man, Tez Walker. Uh, let me ask you it, this. It's, a, it's just, a strong, it's a strong wide receiver class. And in my opinion, it's strong, not because of some of these guys who might sneak into the first round, like Keon Coleman and Troy Franklin. It's, it's strong because of players like, uh, Malachi Corley out of Western Kentucky. Uh, I'm getting there. Dev- Devontae Walker, Devontae Walker out of, um, uh, UNC, Lad McConkey out of Georgia. It's these guys who might be taken on, you know, day two in the second or third round to me that make it to make the depth, you know, really exciting. So Tez Walker and Troy Franklin are similar players. Would you say so? They are. Yeah, they are. Yeah. But, but I would, if I got to the two, this is a great way to make this comparison because if I got to the two yard line and I needed to play, I don't have a problem throwing that ball up to Tez Walker. He's, he's aggressive. He's probably six, two, six, three, somewhere in there. Whereas mm. Troy Franklin, not as physical at the catch point, um, and a little bit smaller, a little bit thinner. So that's that's probably why. So do you, do you do you think like straight up in a vacuum? You know, you and I are running a football team. You know, we're 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 you know, uh, we're the we're the Kansas City Chiefs in the second round. We have a pick, and both these guys are oh, on the yeah. clock. Troy Franklin, Tez Walker. You're picking. Yeah, I I'm taking Tez Walker. Like I'm not. Yeah. Just because he can do everything that Troy Franklin can do, and a little bit more. Could be there wrong. Now Troy Franklin is going to run a faster forty time, but Devontae Walker should be in the four four two range. Yeah. You know, for, sub four sub four yeah. four five. Yeah. So yeah, I'm taking Tez. Okay. No, that's fair. That's why I asked the question because I it sounds to me like as I start to uncover this that these are two very similar players in terms of utility. But maybe you find that um, Tez can do a little bit more than Troy Franklin. And and look to your defense, uh, you know Kyle took Tez over Troy Franklin in the in the mock uh, when I when I took Troy Franklin, and then we we tweeted about it. Everybody was like Troy was the best you know value, and it's like, well maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. I don't really know, but certainly consensus would say that Troy Franklin over Tez Walker. But as we start to uncover it, who knows? Maybe Tez is a better player, but. 
yeah, very, very interesting. The ADPs and where they land and all the combine stuff, we're going to have to start, uh, you know, figuring out who we like. But uh, and, my, my and might mean, be moving towards Tez with, with Felix, uh, you know, saying so. And consensus, I mean, it's always dangerous because, I mean, last year you had uh, Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. I think C.J. Stroud might have been your number one quarterback, but generally speaking, sure consensus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, generally. So I'm giving you that credit. Um, and then wasn't Justin Love in the same class as uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields? Do I have that wrong? Uh, so um, No, he was you know, the year before that, Jordan Love. You, mean, year before you said that. Justin, but you but, didn't mean it. Yeah, yeah. Jordan, Jordan Love. Yeah, but I mean, still, like everybody, nobody thought that Jordan Love was going to have the season that he was. That he shouldn't have been a first round draft pick. It was a mistake by the Green, the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, we, we know this stuff to a certain extent, but we have no idea how it's going to play out two, three years from now. So I have no problem taking my shot on guys that I believe in. I, I need to capitulate to the Jordan Love uh, hive because I had been poo pooing Jordan Love for so long that you know they really need to hear it from me and 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 they deserve to hear it from me. I bend the knee on Twitter. I bend the knee. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say that Jordan Love did great. I mean, he 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 was great. You know, um and now yeah, he was in the Joe Burrow draft class, right? So Joe Burrow, Jordan oh, Love okay. mid mid to late first, and then Jalen Hurts in the second round by the way. Pretty good little draft class uh for yeah. quarterbacks, but but um no no, I I I'm here to say that like one of the things that that happened is that you know we, we we talked about this last year when you were saying that oh you don't like Anthony Richardson remember this last year and I said <laughs> I was listening to you I just said that he statistically does not fit the mold of a, a, an elite quarterback in the NFL it just there's no sort of comp for him successful in the NFL with with what he's done in in college that does not mean that he can't be great as a matter of fact as i started to do more film work as i started to do more deep dive in terms of his like pressure to sack rate which was great his just general sack rate even though you were saying that he was playing by this is anthony richardson now playing behind a, a bad offensive line with not very good weapons and bad coaching it's like okay this is a kid who's not taking sacks maybe that does explain a little bit of the lower completion percentage as he's you know, he's letting go of the ball. We'd rather see an incompletion than a sack. He's, of course, a, a, a rushing savant with his body and speed and athleticism. So I was open to Anthony Richardson. And then he's picked fourth to Indianapolis with Shane Steichen. Look, he was my quarterback one in Dynasty Superflex drafts when it was all said and done. I had it Richardson, Stroud, Bryce at the very end. But before everything, when I just did my sort of work, if I were an NFL team, there's no doubt about it. On wax, I was taking C.J. Stroud first overall. I couldn't even understand not taking him first overall. And only after the draft when, you know, because here's the thing. Data says that the 1.01 in the real NFL as a quarterback it, it, it is a data point. You know, that means that maybe they're seeing something we're not. So it started to make me think a little bit twice about the C.J. Stroud stuff. But no, no, C.J. was the absolute best you know, prospect that I could tell. And it was from the film work, man. You know, you saw it. It was just like, he just dotting people. And, and uh, I'm not so sure I see that from anybody in this class. I don't see CJ Stroud yet. Of course, again, in, in the infant, you know, infancy of my film work with that as well. Do you see while we're here, just do you see a, a CJ Stroud like technician from the pocket in this draft class? And that includes Caleb Williams. No, 
No, CJ Stroud's nickname might as well have been Dot. You know, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think when he was at the combine, he called himself a ball placement specialist, yeah. and that's what you know that's what he looked like uh, at Ohio State. There were times where I had him as the number one quarterback over Bryce Young, but I distinctly remember that um, that uh, combine, and I know it's just the combine, but his throwing workout yeah. was so flawless, like just hitting wide receivers right along the sideline and in stride and. We saw, we did see that at Ohio State, you know, being able to yes. be so accurate in the intermediate and deep parts of the field. Now, your question was, is there somebody like that in this draft? No, no, a- a- absolutely not. Um, right. We have some talent, but but not comparable to you know different games than CJ. Different Stroud. games, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and 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 that's what's kind of interesting. I mean, if you can trade the one point oh one. And get yourself C.J. Stroud. Obviously, you got to do that. I don't think that's a hot take at all. Um, but I think a lot of people might uh, might feel otherwise that they're getting a higher ceiling player in Caleb, which may be true. But geez, Louise, I would take the found money right now for sure, and definitely take C.J. over the over the one point oh one. I I, th- I don't think that's even necessarily breaking ground but i do think there's some some uh leagues where that's a that might be a question i don't know or 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 an opportunity so certainly jump on that yeah cj's the man uh he i just would 100 percent. yeah i would 100 percent have cj stroud over the 101 and I, the, the, I just wanted to make this point about cj stroud he's also yeah. winning like his style of game is probably going to age i think i i don't know if i said this on your show in the middle of the year or somebody else's show but we're going to like you 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 have a kindergartner um, if you have a, a, a you know a child in kindergarten, it's going to be until they graduate high school, where CJ Stroud's no longer playing at an elite right. level. Like he yeah. he is going because his game is going to age very well. What I mean by that is he doesn't rely on his legs. He's yeah. winning by turning his shoulders to move like linebackers where he wants them to move, so yeah. he can throw behind him. I mean, he's doing this subtle stuff. That doesn't require physical talent, even though he has physical talent. Like he's winning yeah. with the mental part of of he's winning the mental part of the game. So um, yeah, yeah. C.J. Stroud is is I don't know what class I needed somebody who has a a, chil, a, a child in kindergarten. Let me know what high school class that is because that's when C.J. Stroud will no longer be good. Yeah, and I said it last year. You you might appreciate this. I don't know if I said this to you, but I said from impulse meaning the mental decision to deliver the ball to a certain spot from impulse to ball on hands. He has the quickest release I've seen in a long time. You know, a lot of times people think quick release is like when the throwing motion starts or whatever, but to me, it's like from the impulse of decision to throw it there. And then also how quickly does the ball travel from your hand to the receiver? So he's got zip on the ball. He can throw to all quadrants. He doesn't have the biggest arm in the whole world, but like he's got a really good like people will say like I think I think I was listening to some sort of national media and they're like he's got such a tight spiral and it's like ultimately that just means that the ball is moving at a high velocity but yet with a softness upon arrival like it's really quite amazing so all throughout his his delivery through his impulse through his decision making through his footwork through his you know ball placement everything is as sharp as it could be and therefore gets there so so quickly it, it's kind of like Matthew Stafford-esque if you want you know I mean Stafford just bop, the ball is on you and that allows for these guys like Puka Cup 
and Calvin Johnson back in the day to have these big seasons because the delivery is just so, so quick. And we're seeing those same types of results with the with the Houston receivers, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, even Noah Brown. Damn it. So this is the type of delivery that you see from very, very rare players, and C.J. Stroud has that. I, I was actually thinking of Matthew Stafford when I was saying, but Matthew Stafford, C.J. Stroud doesn't have like the just – Jason Kidd no look passes that Matthew not Stafford yet. had but right not yet but it's still Matthew Stafford is still winning the game with his eyes when he's turning to his right and throwing back to back to his left is that the Lions so game beautiful. just ridiculous so many so many play, throws in that Lions game had me stressed out um I'm a big Lions fan but <laughs> yes. um you know but but CJ Stroud could definitely get there because he is already winning with his eyes as a as a rookie on, on a team that a lot of people thought was going to be overmatched going in into the season with a new head coach, new quarterback, skill position play. coming into the season, we did not think that the combination of Robert Woods, Dalton Schultz, uh, Tank Dell, Noah Brown that that was going to be an explosive offense. We didn't, and Devin exactly. Singletary, we did not think Brevin that was going to be an explosive offense. Right. right. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two wide receivers. I'm gonna group them together, and I want you to tell me if either are worth anything, if one's better than the other, if one's fake, if they're both fake. Brian Thomas out of LSU and Ad Mitchell, Adonai Mitchell from Texas. Either of these guys worth anything or are they just sort of Terrace Marshall reincarnate? Um, I don't have a strong feeling on Adonai Mitchell. And I will, you know, I, I've always told you that if I don't have a strong feeling on a player. I mean, I remember we were talking about Tylen Wallace, I'm like, I didn't, well, actually, I, I didn't have a very good opinion on him. On Brian Thomas Jr., I love, I have always loved, you know, the, the long catch radius guy um, who, who, who looks like an alpha wide receiver and stretch the field. And I'll tell you this, coming out of high school, he ran the same, the same colors as Colorado State where Preston Williams went and had the same type of body style as Preston Williams. If you could, if you if you remember the undrafted free agent for the Miami Dolphins, Preston Williams, who went to Colorado State, that is not only his body style, but his like game reminded me of that. I think Brian Thomas Jr. is fine. Man, this is not like I'm supposed to have some explosive, polarizing take <laughs> on Brian Thomas Jr. And I just right? don't. I I just don't. Um, I have other wide receivers, guys that we've talked about that I like a little bit more than than him. But I mean, maybe you can educate me how you feel about him. I just don't have a hot take on these two. Well, both these guys are giving me the Terrace Marshall sort of vibes, where it's like big, you know, outside X, but not necessarily. Um, I don't know, not necessarily perfect for today's game. I'm not sure. I'm seeing any sort of you know Puka Nakua, you know you know, intermediate route specialists. I'm seeing outside guys. I don't know. I That's why I'm asking. I don't know because I haven't done all the work, but if they're sort of the ancillary pieces to neighbors and worthy, but maybe they're better. Maybe they're better than worthy. You know, I've heard some people say Ad Mitchell is better than Xavier worthy. Again, I don't know. I'm sort of asking the question, but you know, it's funny because like you say, in 1998, we're taking Brian Thomas and Ad Mitchell you know, no doubt. But now I'm thinking Xavier Worthy, Troy Franklin, you know, these Lad McConkey over these guys, and that just don't make any sense. You know, so in in a new world, we're seeing, you know, the sort of prototype change. 
And I'm not saying that Brian Thompson and Ad Mitchell aren't good players. I'm just wondering if they're necessarily going to be players that I want to be targeting or if I'm sort of more okay with them passing me by, it's just, it's a very interesting sort of conversation on a, on a bigger level that may, Hey, maybe they're just fine, but they're just not, you know, look, we've seen a lot of these guys that just have disappointed. I'm just, you know, Quentin Johnson, Nikhil Harry, Terrace Marshall. Every year we see the bigger outside college guys that just don't necessarily translate to fantasy production in the NFL. And it's, it's, it's concerning. Yeah, well, they're probably complementary pieces and not, you know, one yeah. A's or alphas, and that's that's fine. Um, but you're probably going to take some shots at the running backs in this class uh, and yeah. do your dynasty rookie drafts over some of these and, guys. And Felix, Unless, Felix, real quick, we all we also have T. Higgins, Michael Pittman, Nico Collins, right? So it's not like they're all misses. I don't mean to just paint with a broad brush and say, hey, sure. these guys. That's what I'm getting at, or you know, and 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 so as we start to look at. And this is the thought process that I would have if I'm a dynasty player thinking about these rookies. Don't fall in love for no good reason. Just think about what's separated and what separates a guy like Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, you know, and the guys like LaVisca Chenault, Terrace Marshall, Nikhil Harry, right? We, we, we need to start looking at those types of players. Maybe even go back, do some film work on both of those types of players and see what was winning for these guys at the college level, what's translating? I don't I don't know. It's not like I'm sitting here saying, oh, don't worry, listen to me. I've got it all figured out. But what I am figuring out is, is that some of them hit, some of them miss. I'd rather be on the right side. I certainly know that Jonathan Mingo was a was a fade for me. Care to guess who the Jonathan Mingo of this class is, Mr. Felix Sharp? Oh, the Jonathan Mingo of this class. Is it Xavier Leggett? Bingo. Bingo. Oh, Do you agree or what I, I posted something. I said you need to tell me a damn good story to tell me why <laughs> Xavier Leggett had four years of less than two hundred yards receiving and I'm supposed to take him seriously. Man, I went to look for okay, it's it's rare that somebody just catches us off off guard in like the college fantasy space. What I mean, like somebody right. that we had just not heard about, didn't have ranked, and they just explode the way he did. Right. Um, and I've looked and I don't have a good explanation other than that. The fact that he, he was designated as an athlete. So not because he played, uh, he played quarterback his quarterback, senior year yeah. and, and, you know, he ran for like 2000 yards and only passed for like 800. So it's not like he was a, a great quarterback, <laughs> but I see, man, I see him listed at six, three, two twenty seven, and he plays <laughs> like he's six, three, two twenty seven. <laughs> He goes yeah. up and he gets the ball. He's hard to tackle. He's physical. And I'm like, where? Like, we, I could have used you on some rosters, you know, a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, where did you come from? Yo, I, hey, he's going to, hey, he's going to be in the draft on some C2C leagues, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you yeah, know yeah I mean? He should be. Like, yeah. If he wasn't, you know, he, 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 you know he's going to be, in other words, like when you're C2C, you have your college team. He's not on your college team. So, like, the 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 draft for the NFL side is like nobody. There's nobody there, but he's going to be in that draft. He's going to be the one on one. Yes, <laughs> I will tell you the difference between he and Jonathan Mingo is like we knew who Jonathan Mingo was, you know, because I mean, so L- Lane Kiffin is was has been that head coach. We like Lane Kiffin, uh, wide receivers, Elijah Moore, some other guys, and so we're kind of looking for uh, opportunity in those spaces. And you look at. 
uh, Jonathan Mingo's profile and his body type. We're like, oh, we might have something here. And then we just realized we didn't. So when the NFL draft kind of caught up to him and said he was good, you know, I think the college space thought that that was funny. It's different because we did not know who Xavier Leggett was. Like, we, right. we were not looking at South Carolina for for uh, offense. Now, they do have a wide receiver named Juice Wells who transferred from James Madison, who's very good, and he was injured this entire year, which is part of the reason why Xavier Leggett b- broke out. But when you watch Xavier Leggett play, I mean, you got to – if you just watch a highlight tape of Xavier Leggett from this year, it kind of has to make you excited, I feel like. I mean, you if you just – just dropped in and say, well, let me see this this guy play, you would be excited. It's not like a whole bunch of gimmicky stuff. He's hard to bring down. He will elevate above corners, and he's huge. I, I'm i not out on Xavier. <laughs> you are. I can't be out. I, I just, I'm like, I want, and I want to understand why. Like, why did it take this long? I don't have a good excuse for it. But I'm not totally out on him either. This is gonna. This is like a test case. He is yeah. now. He, he looked like a man amongst boys because he's like 22 years old. He'd probably be 23 when I was the season say starts. He is yeah. But Tank. He what? Is. But what? What is Tank Dell? Tank Dell. Tank Dell. Tank Dell's an older player too. Don't don't you dare compare Xavier Leggett to uh, Tank Dell. I I I will. Tank Dell was also is- Tank Dell was also very explosive in college and very productive. So. Yeah, for two years at least. So, I, I, all right. So here's the guy I want to ask you about. Is well, there's a couple men. This is the, you're right. This wide receiver class has some intriguing players. The third round, you know, it's funny because we 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 found Puka and Tank Dell in the third round. There may be. Look, I don't know. Some of these guys are going to get pushed down. Like Xavier Leggett is going to push Lad McConkey to me or something, right? You know, or something. But um couple guys I want to talk about. Number one is the other guy at Washington, uh, Polk. What is it, Jalen Polk? Is he any good? Yeah, Jalen Polk is good. But when you say the other guy of Washington, you should be talking about Jalen McMillan, who was injured this year but also declared for the draft. So Jalen, oh, okay. so the two outside wide receivers were uh, Roma Dunze and Jalen Polk. And the inside – Do you think McMillan's wide... better than Polk? Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, I do. If he was, if he was healthy this year, you all wouldn't be talking about Jalen Polk. I, I think he's better, you know, whatever you – I don't understand why people like love slot wide receiver. Jackson Smith and Jigba was just a slot wide receiver. Jalen McMillan can do anything that Jackson Smith and Jigba can do. Now, does that mean he's going to be the 15th pick in the draft? No, but he didn't go to the school with the Ohio – with the Buckeye on the side of his helmet. So, you know, short area separation and explosiveness, uh, that's what you want from a slot wide receiver. That's what Jalen McMillan can do. Now, again, he was injured this season, which allowed Jalen Polk to have the season that he did. But Jalen McMillan, a, a, a very good player in his own right. He was in Roma Dunze's class. They were freshmen uh, together. Um, so mm. if Jalen McMillan falls, maybe he's this year's you know value at the mm. end of the second, beginning of the third of yeah. of dynasty rookie drafts because he is he is a very good player. I, I mean, there he is a very good player in the fact that it was a toss up at one point who was better between he and Roma Dunze. Mm. Um, okay. So, and it's just the injuries caught up to Jalen McMillan. So, okay. What about uh, Corley, the kid from uh, Western Kentucky? I heard you mention him a few times, and I, I, I like what I've seen on a limited basis too. What's going on there? Somebody who's a wide receiver who's built like a running back and plays like a running back, you know. Um, 
he does not have the vertical game, but is going to be very tough to tackle. I'm not going to call him, you know, Debo Samuel, but Debo Samuel's physicality is the trait that kind of makes him the player that he is. And that's, that's, that's Malachi Corley. If I, I, Malachi Corley might have a senior bowl invite. I'm not exactly sure, but I would, I would, he does, he does. Yeah. Oh, he does. Okay. Yeah. So the, Okay, so the one-on-ones are going to be important for him. You know, how does he separate? How does he look against guys who – he? I mean, when I say he's built like a running back, I mean, he, he kind of looks like MJD a little bit to me. So so can he Can he get so off he's like a, he's like a, he's like a he's like a Devin Duvernay to J, DJ Moore yeah. or somewhere in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good – yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. I don't. I, I think he's smaller than than DJ Moore, and definitely probably okay. not as explosive. But de- just as physical. oh no no yeah, I'm just saying like in the in the you know yeah. if you love him he, yeah ceiling to floor type of thing. Um, the other guy, okay, fair enough. So the other guy I wanted to ask you about is the okay every every year we get the Darren Waller, Chase Claypool, Chase Claypool historically it looks like my take that he should have been a tight end was right. He probably should have transferred you know changed to tight end. Um. Elijah Higgins this past year moved to tight end, might have a future. Johnny Wilson, the other wide receiver that you mentioned was injured, played alongside Keon Coleman, is a big dude. Um, maybe we should see him move to uh, Kelvin Benjamin, f- former Florida State, you know, guy who probably had a was a was a cheeseburger away from an offensive tackle, should have moved to um tight end. Should Johnny Wilson, you know, beef up and become a, a an NFL tight end? Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of Johnny Wilson. Um, I, I kind of don't even think that he's even like NFL draftable. Um, mm. he might be like the next Auden Tate, you there know, Auden Tate, Auden Tate yep. went to the same, to the, to went to the same school. Um, yep. so he's, he's big. He's, he, he has no explosiveness. He is, he does have a great catch radius, but and he can he can squeeze the ball, but he's not built like a tight end, you know. Yeah, I, I just okay. no, that's okay. a big pass. red X for me. Yeah, pass. pass, pass. Okay, one of the guys that I loved was one of the Debbie darlings. Was kind of like you know projected to be one of the top picks in last year's draft when he was sort of a freshman and sophomore years ago. You know who I'm going to mention, don't you? Mm-hmm. Jacob Cowing. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Jacob Cowing was like, I mean, he was an elite prospect and then didn't come out last year, which was concerning, was sort of okay this year. Does have a senior bowl invite. He's the type of guy that I could get excited about moving forward. Uh, are, are you at all interested? Can I interest you in a Jacob Cowing, sir? Okay. So Jacob Cowing was in like my top 15 at the wide receiver position coming, or excuse me, last year. I thought that he was going to make the jump last year. So he yeah. transferred from, he was, right. he was, he was at UTEP. He was like a stretch slot wide receiver who made explosive, did all the slot wide receiver stuff, but also made explosive plays down the field. And then at Arizona, Bingo. is used just a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, yes. I, and I think this I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I think I feel like he averaged like twenty yards a catch when he was at UTEP and then came way yeah, down. I've got that. it in front of me. Keep talking. I'll I'm gonna back okay. you up in a second. Keep going. Okay. Okay. Um he oh, this is the other thing about Jacob Cowan. Coming out of high school, like we had him timed over like like twenty one point four miles per hour. 
uh, just from pers- some perspective in like last year's freshman class, um, Nicholas Singleton was our top speed at 22 miles per hour. So, you know, Jacob Cowling showed some explosiveness. It, you know, I just, I think that he is a, you, he's a competent college wide receiver who does not have an elite trait to rely on, but he, mm. you know, there, there's a lot of guys that you can, you can call dependable college wide receivers. Um, so I, I, if he, I think that if he was that dude, he would have made the jump again last year because he, he, right. might, he might be a class of 2018 or maybe he's not, maybe he's 19, but he, again, an, an older prospect um, yes. who I was excited about last year, but he just, he, he, didn't, he was he didn't a freshman in 2019. You nailed it, uh, oh, you know, off okay. the top of your head, Felix. Yeah. He, he was a class of 2019 freshman in 2019 played three years at UTEP and at UTEP, was 18.4 yards per catch over three years and was just dominant, you know, in terms of, you know, yards per catch. And then was 10.8. So went from 18.4 to only 10.8 yards per catch, only 9.4 in his final season at Arizona. So, yeah, his yards per catch went down. His utilization became, you know, close to the line of scrimmage, you know, Zay Jones type player or whatever, you know, as opposed to this sort of multi-dimensional downfield threat at UTEP. Very, very interesting prospect, you know, transfers. That that wasn't his fault. That wasn't his, that was Arizona's offense and how they used him schematically. It's just that we saw how, uh, and I I should say, Jacob Cowan was also one of those college fantasy guys, kind of like Sky Moore, where everybody knew who that was because of how explosive he was at UTEP, you know, a lower level of competition scoring a lot of points. Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. I just wonder if he's any good. And, you know, now he's a 50 year senior, super, super scary player to draft in any sort of sense. But, you know, we, we find these guys later in drafts and, you know, I wonder if he's, if he's worth a flyer, but generally speaking, we're looking at the running backs and we'll, we'll, we'll shift there now. Um, running backs. Yeah. You know, boy, oh boy. Uh, you know, Travion was my, uh, running back one. And, you know, in our, in our mock draft, I picked him at the 1.08. And then moments later he declared for, uh, you know, to stay in, uh, Ohio state. And I had to backfill with Jonathan Brooks, uh, later, you know, in the draft, whatever. I just sort of put Jonathan Brooks at the 1.08 for him. But I'm wondering now, you know, Travion to me was sort of the, I don't know, for me, was a clear running back one, whether or not the NFL saw him that way or not, who, who the fuck knows why he went back. If it was that he wasn't guaranteed a, a, a draft spot or, you know, the NAL money, there's a lot of reasons. I don't know, but he's not in this class. And so now I wonder, is there even a running back one type of player in this running back class? What say you, Mr. Felix? You know, and I knew you would I obviously knew you would ask me this, and I gave it a lot of thought. Yeah, and I think that there is, and I think it's Audric Estime. He's not mm. going to be a, se- a sexy uh, number one running back, but we need a competent interior rusher who can break tackles, right? Yeah, I think that he will test well in the straight line speed stuff, but terribly in the lateral agility, agility stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. We don't know what his potential is as a pass catcher. He's he's not going to be Jameer Gibbs, but he could be like an uh, an outlet used in the flat. And when I look at this running back class, so you got Jonathan Brooks who's coming off a um, a torn ACL. Uh, yep. You got uh, Blake Corm out of Michigan who is just a great decision maker as far as setting up his blocks and pressing the line. Yep. But he's just smaller. 
Yeah. Like if you could combine Audric Estime and Blake Corum, I would love that player, but you can't. So I have to pick, you know, the 230 pound guy who I I think that he has a shot to go in the second round. And I like after when he gets to the second level, he is more likely to be able to break tackles from linebackers and safeties mm. than some of the and, and be able to run away from people also than some of well, these other I, players. So, so I got you positive. and I had yeah you and I had a phone conversation. We were chit chatting and um, you know I I comp Blake Corum to Kyron Williams and you didn't hate it. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't I don't hate it. He's a little bit bigger than Kyron Williams. Um, his skill set is going to be again setting up his his blocks and making the right decision. What some people call vision, which I think is a terrible name for what yeah. that actually is. If like vision is actually decision making from the running back. Like how quickly can you process information to choose the right hole to force linebackers to be sucked into the the front line, that sort of thing. That's what yeah. what vision is. And I think Kyron Williams is probably is is spot on because what were our expectations for Kyron Williams after the combine, you know, like nil and he got into a good situation and has made the most of it. I, I, I think that that's what it would take for Blake Corum to become, you know, an RB one. I think this is going to take the right situation, the right offense around him. Um, and maybe, you know, the second or third year of his career, if if there's the potential for him to be a running back one, that's that's how it would happen. But right, here's but, a cool but, question. But I, sh- I I should say it's the same for like most of these guys. There's no out. There's no. Yeah. We don't have Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Saquon yeah. Barkley, Nick Chubb in this class. We just don't. No, we don't. And, and, and that's why this next question is fun as hell. Ready? So the question is: Two years from today. Two years from today, so not after next season, but two seasons from now, there is one of the players from this draft class is a top five dynasty running back. Unbelievable. Which one is it? It's a good question. It is a good question. It's a good question because the answer is probably nobody, right? But the question is, okay, if we can see – ceiling and like oh my god no this dude actually was is dope like that kind of dope you know catches passes all-purpose skill set the whole friggin package you have the, to pick the, one who is it? the the natural answer is braylon allen because yeah. of his size adjusted athleticism his age he's also braylon allen is going to be 20 entering the nfl but he does not play i'm braylon allen from wisconsin Who's yeah. probably 240 pounds? He doesn't play like he's 240 huge. pounds. Right. He is huge, but he doesn't always play that way. And he also has mm. lateral agility problems. And some people would say that he has speed speed issues too. He will get caught from behind. I don't think Audrey right. Estime is getting caught from behind. But you know, a, a guy who's really carried the load at Wisconsin has been productive since his uh freshman season. A, a guy who came in at safety and then started playing running back. And by the way. You know, he might be he not he might not be great in the um in the forty or in the lateral agility drills, but squat clean, um, you know, bench press, all that stuff. He's he's gonna make people look silly. He's gonna do really well in this in the strength training. 
The body is there to is to be like a dominant downhill runner. But he doesn't always play that way. So if he can and but he he's 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 super young. So he you talk about two three years from now, he's gonna only gonna be twenty three years old. He's yeah. only going to be 23 years old, so he can develop that. See, I thought you were going to say one of two names. I thought you were going to say either Trey Benson or Jonathan Brooks. And not for nothing, but like I feel like Jonathan Brooks is like – I mean, he showed explosion. He showed pass catching and really was – you know, parked behind, uh, let me check this, Bijan fucking Robinson for the first two years of his college career and Roshan Johnson. Um, and then after they leave, he kind of explodes, but was always pretty good on a per-play basis, tears his ACL. I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe he could be the pl- – but, of course, he's going to have to have an ACL injury recovery year as a rookie, probably more of a redshirt player for our dynasty leagues and dynasty teams but maybe by the time you know 2025 rolls around he has that sort of you know ceiling uh you know revealed is that possible or are you just not a jonathan brooks fan at all what's going on here no i no i was a big jonathan brooks fan at value so for those who are not familiar with that texas backfield they had a very highly touted five-star prospect come in this year a name cj baxter uh, as a freshman who com- comparable to like Joe Mixon, who folks thought was going to take the reins in that in that backfield. As a matter of fact, Jonathan Brooks was hurt in the spring game, and CJ Baxter took all the reps with the ones. Um, but obviously, so Jonathan Brooks kind of carried that Texas offense at times. But and I'm I don't feel like I you know I don't consider myself some sort of running back savant or expert, but I still like to see just real ex- explosiveness on film. Um, maybe it's jump cuts. Maybe it's running through tacklers. Maybe it's you know catching the ball downfield, which is, is not normal for a running back. And I just don't see any of those things. So to me, this is, again, a landing spot and opportunity dependent running back class overall. And I don't think that Jonathan Brooks is any different uh, th- than really the, the, the rest of the class in that respect. Now, I – now you can jump in my DMs and tell me you have a totally different perspective, and I will believe you because I I struggle with this running back class. I struggled with it this entire season as to who to rank number one. Travion Henderson, yeah, we thought he was coming out, but he was hurt. So when he was hurt and then not playing, and they got like these other dudes playing, I'm like who do, who is running? So I've had Audrey Estime number one in this class, I had Blake Corum number one in this his class at times, I had Jonathan Brooks number one in this class, I've had Braylon Allen at times number one in this class. And so it, it, it's, it's, it, it will really take someone who believes in their evaluation <laughs> process at this position to give you definitive, conclusive statements regarding any, any running back. And what their potential outcome will be two years, two or three years from now. And I'm not going to make a fool of myself uh, here (laughs) and tell you that Jonathan Brooks will or will not because he he could. But we saw for you know one year one year uh, at Texas and he has a torn he has a torn ACL. So yeah, um, it could be it could be. Hey, you know you know it's a fucked up class when I'm like talking about some guy who's had one good season and has currently is injured. As the running back one, I mean, that's the whole point. It's like it's very, very uh, dire at this at this position in this class. I I don't know that there's not good players. There's just not someone who's who's 
you know, leaning to the front of the class going, that's the guy, you know, every single one of them has a little bit of an issue. And I don't think there'll be a first round pick in the NFL draft at the running back position. That's almost a guarantee. No No. chance. Right. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't even think there's anybody, you know, taking an, an early second round pick. I mean, the only reason there'll be a second round pick likely is because of need, not because of talent. And I wonder who that will be. It's not clear cut. It could be, you know, a guy like Will Shipley, who who provides, you know, uh, y- you know, utilization in the pass game or some crazy thing. I mean, we're going to see the, the, the combine change all this. I am ready to say right now that I am almost sitting on the sidelines with these running backs and just taking late shots. So in other words, if I'm drafting at any point between now and the actual NFL draft, I'm almost not even drafting any running backs in the first two rounds. Uh, just give me all the value running backs in the third and fourth rounds as they fall to me um, because of the uncertainty at the position. What do you think of that strategy at this particular point for those who are drafting now? I First of all, you shouldn't be drafting now. I know some people No, do. I know, you but you know what I mean. Anytime you before be the NFL draft, right? Yeah, yeah the, the wide receiver class is much stronger, and I have kind of uh, – I feel much more confident about the wide receiver class. And I right. just think the – the difference between the number one running back in this class and like number eight running back in this class probably isn't that substantial. You talk about um, Jonathan Brooks having just one year of production. I really like and but one year of production and a torn ACL. Marshawn yeah. Lloyd has like I don't know th- two or three torn ACLs. I think he has two. Oh shit! And I really like I really like him. <laughs> I really like I, I think his comp coming out of. Uh, out of uh, out of the high school was Frank Gore, somebody just a, a savant at the position and can make you miss in t- tight quarters. I really like Marshawn Lloyd, but you look at his stats. I think his best season was just last year for um, uh, uh, you know eight hundred something yards. I don't even know if he was the leading running back on that team. It could have yeah, been yeah, Austin yeah. Jones, but um, but I I like from a skill set perspective. I like Marshawn Lloyd, but he's never been. Well, he was healthy this year, but even then, he you know was it was heavily used in a committee. So, right. there are just guys littered that, like right. that all through, yeah, through, throughout yeah. this throughout this class. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a it's a it's an interesting class. There's some there's some deep uh, running backs that I have sort of started to gravitate towards. I mean, there's players like uh, Ray Davis. Uh, what, what, what do you do? You like this Ray Davis from Kentucky? I mean, about as much as I like. Uh, uh, Marshawn yeah. Lloyd, Ray yeah. Davis has been at three different schools. He started at Temple, then Vanderbilt, and then um, and then then Kentucky. He has the size. I think that he has what we would call vision, mm. but <laughs> yeah, um, there is not none of these guys. I'm sorry, there's no sex appeal with any of them. And no. I just yeah, don't. It's funny, have- man. I was I was going down the, the down the list, and it's like you know I I just sort of look at like projected draft capital, and I was like mm-hmm. just you know when I say film, I would just put on high- highlight reels of these guys just to even see what they even look like. You know, I'd look at their size, uh, mm-hmm. you know, listed size or measurements, and try and get a feel for what type of player they are, just to familiarize myself with the class. And you know, a lot of them are like you know you know, two down grinders with, with very little right. you know explosion. I'm like, Oh yeah, right. this is just a guy. This is just a, you know, uh, we used to call them middle relievers, like innings eaters, in, in, you know, for baseball, just guy who got there and throw 85 for a few batters. You know, th- these guys are not, 
popping off the page. And then I scrolled and I scrolled and I scrolled Mr. Felix Sharp. And I came upon a guy by the name of Kamani Vidal. Is that his fucking mm-hmm. name? I don't know how to say it. And this guy, by the way, when he would break into the open field, he gets caught from behind every fucking time. I swear to God, he does not have long speed. But this guy has got the pop and was really kind of an exciting prospect to watch. And he's like on the verge of like being undrafted or whatever. But I watched the film or at least the, you know, just the the highlight film, just the sort of things that he does. He kind of caught me by surprise and I was getting a little excited because I was looking deep. I was looking at these guys like there's a, the, the kid uh, Lob out of uh, UNH or whatever I think he played at. Um, Frank Gore Jr., uh, you know, kind of an exciting player. Rasheen Ali out of Marshall. Like there's a lot of names. Uh, Cody Schrader out of Missouri. But a lot of these guys were sort of didn't necessarily get me too excited. But the two guys that did was um, this Vidal and then Blake Watson out of Memphis, another Memphis back. Should should I be getting excited about these guys, or should I maybe just put it down and and and, and get back to work? I, well, let's start with Blake Watson, just because there are two check marks against him, right? So he's a class of twenty eighteen, and he's mm. not he's not two hundred pounds. Now that that's not a, I mean, Kyron Williams was right there. Jameer Gibbs was like one ninety nine, but you got to have a, all these guys now. Yeah, yeah you got to have a, yeah, you got to have a special skill set to. Um, to be that small and and quite frankly that old. I don't think that Blake Watson is that is that guy. With Kamani Vidal, he is probably going to be an undrafted free agent, right? Um 5'8, 215. I don't like 5'8, 215 is good. He uh he was involved, I mean really their entire their entire offense and he's been involved yeah. since he was since he was a freshman. This is a guy that you know, the straight up college fantasy game they were familiar with, didn't realize that he was an NFL player. Um, I like small running backs to really excel in the passing game. And if you look at, if you look at, uh, I mean, I don't have his stats in front of Blake Watson does. Vidal does not really. Vidal does not. Vidal is a, is a small two down grinder. (laughs) See where I'm at? See where I'm at in this class, Mr. Felix. I mean, it's like when you asked me about Tylen Wallace a few years ago. I'm like, you can't yeah. be a six foot contested catcher. You know, you got to right, be right. a little bit. You can't be a yeah. five eight, two hundred fifteen pound two down back. Um, so I think that, you know, I, I can understand why you would like their profiles, but I think that both of these guys are missing elements to their game. I mean, again, is Blake Watson a class again a class of 2018 player five nine Jesus one ninety five. Uh, and I have uh, – it was not on my radar until the middle of the offseason where I saw him being taken in these mock drafts, and maybe the NFL knows something yeah. Something I don't. Look, at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, in trying to reach for, you know, find uh, running backs, we're going to just have to let the NFL draft tell us who, who, who might have a shot, and I think that's the way to play this class. I'm not going to get too excited – about anybody at the running back position until I see landing spots and whatnot, because I think that's all that's going to, that's going to be. Now let's end the show with some red meat for the listeners. Let's get them excited for the end of the show, which is we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about just a couple things about the quarterbacks. I want to hear two things about, about some quarterbacks real quick. And then we're going to do this. Brock Bowers. 
Brock fucking Bowers, man. You know, the he's going to be super, super highly drafted in the NFL draft, and he's going to have people so tantalized to, to draft him in the rookie drafts that you're going to have to really think about whether or not he's worth pressing the button for. Now, I know landing spot's going to matter, but I'm going to tell you right now, whichever team takes him in the top 10, because he's going in the top 10 of the NFL draft, I just feel it coming. Or somewhere thereabouts. He's not getting too much farther past that. They're going to have a plan for him. They're going to be excited about him. So are you even thinking about, because you know me, man, I'm a no, don't take a tight end early in your rookie draft type of player, but my gosh, if you want him, you're going to have to push the button. Is it worth it, Mr. Felix Sharp? What are we saying? At here? the one, I mean, where are we talking? In the like in the middle of the first round? It's gonna go. It's gonna go early, dude. It's gonna be crazy. Look, the I, lowest he's gonna go. The the lowest mm-hmm. he's gonna go is three quarterbacks, two wide receivers, Brock Bowers, like one hundred six. I mean, you're gonna have to push the button on him in the first half of your rookie draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, that position just doesn't score a lot of points, even if he's excellent, right? I mean, yeah. even if he's even if he's excellent, he's, it's just excellent could be seven hundred yards and four right. touchdowns, you know, something right. like that. Now, does that put you, you know, over the top and get you an, an advantage over your opponent? I, I don't know if it does more so than the fifth or sixth tight end. I, yeah. I, I could be wrong on that. Um, I don't. But the but the other thing is is that if he does get that draft capital capital he feels really safe right and it feels yes. like they're going yeah. to have a scheme around him but we yeah. thought that with Kyle Pitts right we yes. thought that with Kyle with Kyle Pitts I'm probably not going to press the button on um, Brock Bowers that early like not yeah. around not before uh, there's the three quarterbacks and the three wide receivers Jaden yeah. Daniels uh, Drake May Caleb Williams. Roma Dunze, Jake, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., and, uh, and Mal- yeah. yeah, and Malik Neighbors. So that puts him at seven, where right. I would consider him. Right. And still, then, yeah, and I think he's gone by then. I think he's gone by then. And and, and in super tight end premium leagues, you know he's going to be like the fucking one point oh one. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, listeners, this is going to happen. And I don't think it's wise. I just don't think it's wise because the like you say, the upside is is not Justin Jefferson. You know, the upside, people were saying about Kyle Pitts. I remember, this was the commentary. What, you don't want to have 12 years of Travis Kelsey? That was what I was told, why I was wrong to not have uh, Kyle Pitts, you know, in the top two or three picks of my rookie drafts, even in Superflex. And I remember saying, well, that's not what you're getting. You're getting, you're very unlikely to get even two or three years of Travis Kelsey anywhere along the lines. That's not what, History tells us Travis Kelsey wasn't a fucking first round draft pick in his own damn, you know, draft class. You know, neither was, you know, Kittle and neither was Laporta. Uh, so these guys don't. But come Eric from Ebron that was, uh, uh, OJ Vernon Davis, Jermaine Vernon. Gresham, OJ Howard, uh, <laughs> right. you know, David and Joku. David and Joku has just become good, you know, yeah. in, in this last year. I mean, just because you're taken in the first round at that position does not tr- mean That's you're going to come in and dominate. It still remains one position that is hard to transition. It's hard yeah, to transition. Yeah. And that's not me and Felix saying he won't do it. 
that's not what we're saying. There's a very, there's a chance, not a very good one, but there's a chance that he actually does, you know, get there for you as a, as a rookie or in the first two, three years, it's possible. He's Laporta. That's sure. But it's not as likely as, as, you know, Romadunze will be, you know, uh, Chris Olave or something like that. That's right. Um, all right. So there we go. So then you were talking about the quarterbacks. I've got some concerns. Okay. Caleb, Feels like the 1.01. I, I I don't think I can pass on him if I have the 1.01. Maybe I could be talked into trading the pick, but uh, do you have any issue with that? And if if not, we'll move on to the next uh, question I've got. Do I have a trade? No, with trading the 101? Absolutely not. Yeah, or, or or just having Caleb as the 1.01. I mean, do, do you are you concerned with Caleb or are there any, you know, the, the, the I think we're nitpicking at this point. I, I'd almost like yeah. to move past it because I feel like he's the 1.01. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with Caleb Williams. I do have the, a problem with the comparisons to Patrick Mahomes because I right. think that Caleb Williams is more Kyler Murray than he is Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think he's going to be a fine player. He's going to get a chance, and you know, we'll see if he works out. But I mean, he's very likely to be the one point one in the NFL draft, and for that reason, sure, you know, you're basically either betting for or against him being a success in the NFL if you can you know, trade the 1.01 and get value back and whatever. Okay, fine, do it. But that being said, I, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be this like a uh, supernova uh, player that immediately is a top five quarterback uh, in dynasty. I, that I don't think necessarily, I don't think he's excluded from that opportunity. I just don't think that that's, you know, automatically where he goes. I don't, I, in other words, do you think Joe Burrow was a better prospect than, than, uh, than, than Caleb? Like type of thing, you know, man, that is so hard to say because there are such different players. Like my problem with my problem with Caleb Williams is the fact that he prefers the play to be out of structure. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. Yeah. And Joe Burrow can kind of do both. Um, Yeah. And that's why I compare him to Kyler Murray, who also seems to thrive in, in chaos more than he does from the pocket. So. Is he a better prospect than Joe Burrow? We listened to um, who's that GM for the Minnesota Vikings who was on the podcast. He said that he was. He he said that he was like better than any prospect in like the last twenty years. Spielman. Um, and the other thing is, is when people are comparing prospects, they might, especially at the quarterback position, they might only be talking about physical tools and not the physical mental traits. aspect of yeah, yep. not the mental aspect of the game. Like it's so Caleb Williams will we saw this with Bryce Young, right? Like Bryce Young, um, one of his best attributes was improvising like in college and he would, you know, get out of pressure and and make throws down the field. The D um, the defensive ends are just as fast as Bryce Young, though, in the NFL. And it's going to be the same way for for Caleb Williams. So when you say, is he, is he better? It's hard. They're man. They their games are so different that it's hard to even compare them. Caleb yeah. Williams, of course, has better physical traits. He has a stronger yep. arm. You know, he's yep. faster. He can improvise and all of that stuff. I don't know. I just don't know that he's better. Um, yeah, I don't know that. I, I think I'd rather. I think have that him. answers the question. No, that yeah. answers the question that it's hard to answer because I I think that's right. I think that's right. And, you know, uh, Trevor was a better prospect, I think, than Caleb, although it's close. You know, he's in that ballpark. So my point is he could end up being, you know, a Kyler, 
you know, Trevor type of value for you going forward, or he could end up being a, you know, Herbert Burrow value for you, but he's not automatically like Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's dangerous to consider him that way. And I agree with you. The next guy is, is Drake May, who I think when we were talking earlier, the closest thing, you know, in my brief study of it, the closest thing to a CJ Stroud type prospect, maybe Drake May, who does like to sit in the prospect and can throw dots. Um, I don't think he's quite the prospect at all as as CJ Stroud, but he's closest thing to it. Do you do you kind of agree with that, or or am I pushing a little too far here? I don't want to compare them to uh, to CJ Stroud. I do like Drake May though because um, people would think that. Caleb Williams is the rusher in this class, and I'm pretty sure Drake May has more career rushing yards than Caleb Williams does, and he's <laughs> just like an excellent. True. Yeah, I'm 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 99 sure that is true. Um, he's just yeah. an excellent athlete. Um, and I don't know if it was this year because I was not paying as much of, uh, as close attention, but in 2020, I was very impressed with how Drake May manipulated uh, defenders, specifically in the red zone. Um just because that's an area where it's really tight and he would do pump fakes and his shoulder moves to, to, to move folks off of their spot. I, I have seen um, clips of Drake may running prematurely away from pressure that scare me. Cause that kind of reminds me of both uh, Baker Mayfield and, um, and Mitch Trubisky, but I've mm. seen so much, so much more with Drake may that I do, you know, feel comfortable with him in super flex leagues being the one, the one Oh two or one Oh three. If you want to take Marvin Harrison jr. I don't know if that answers the question. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it does. Uh, by the way, let's see here. What's the rushing? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, Caleb has uh, 966 career rushing yards, topped out at 442 in his freshman season. Uh, Drake May topped out at 698 in his uh, uh, second season, basically his first year as a starter, uh, 1,200 yards. So, yeah, he, he does have more yards. Four yards a carry for uh, Drake May and – 3.3 for, um, you know, uh, Caleb and, you know, of course they factor in sacks, which makes it kind of tough, but, um, Caleb with, with, uh, with 27 rushing touchdowns, kind of a lot, um, you know, 16 for Drake may they're, they're both pretty capable players. Drake may listed at, um, you know, six, five, two twenty. Caleb only listed at six, one, two eighteen. I mean, I, Interesting to see how just how big Caleb is too when he when he finally measures. Uh, if they tamp down the hair a little bit, you know, how, if they get all the way down, he might be six four with the hair. I don't know, but you know, Drake May. Um, you know, I'm not sure. You know, he, he just sort of profiles as that sort of traditional player, and you know, in a lot of classes, people are saying that he'd be the 1.01. You know, for in, in the NFL, that is. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. It, you know, very, very scary times drafting quarterbacks in that first round. It just really is. But if you're a team, uh, a dynasty team that needs a quarterback, you just got to push the button. Jaden Daniels is the guy that I think has this sort of elite upside because of the rushing. And, you know, because he has some serious red flags. Uh, and I'm going to share them with you here, Mr. Felix. His size, number one. Okay, Mm -hmm. his size is a problem. He's very slight and, you know, running. Look, it would be one thing if he was just like, you know, 
a pocket passer and it's like he's not going to take as many hits. But if he's out there trying to make plays with his feet and he's super slight, injury becomes a huge issue. So he's, his, his frame is an issue. And then on top of that, he's like a fifth-year player who didn't necessarily have that much success, although he was a, a very highly touted high school prospect coming out. So I don't know what to make of it. What are your thoughts on Jaden Daniels uh, going forward uh, with, with some of the things I've mentioned? Um, he's played a lot of football, so you got to remember he was in yeah. Herm Edwards' recruiting class. That included Brandon Ayuk. Oh, shoot, there's some other players. Um in that class that I'm that I'm forgetting. Oh, oh yeah, Rashad, Rashad White, yeah, Nikhil Harry, Rash- yeah, Rashad White, yeah, Rashad White, Rashad White. Um, yeah, so I he was a, a highly touted high school recruit coming in, and you know, pl- kind of played well as a freshman, then j- just kind of plateaued. Yeah, um, yeah. But that rushing ability, man, he, he's like the Devonta Smith at at quarterback because of his, because yeah, of his size. But I think you ha- don't you have to take the chance given the the athleticism. And if he's taken in the top fifteen, that means the team has a uh, a plan for him. I don't want to I don't want to miss out on the next Jordan Love, where we think we're smarter than the than the NFL, um, and just pass on a right. guy and and. and and Jaden Daniels probably has a better tool set coming into the NFL than Jordan Love did. Uh, so, for, uh, you know, it's a guessing game at the quarterback position. But if he gets the draft capital, I think you have to take him because, again, he's going to have a very high floor, an extremely high floor because of what he can do with his legs. Mm, these quarterbacks, man, they're vexing as all hell. Well, Mr. Felix Sharp, you've given us a lot to consider a lot to think about and probably a lot of answers to the test. You've started to open up the book on this 2024 class and we are ready to go from campus to Canton. I would not count out Michael Penix Jr. You poo-pooed him, but I didn't poo-poo anybody. You poo-pooed him to start this off because you said you didn't want <laughs> you didn't want your Patriots taking him in the second round. I said I'm scared. I'm nervous. You you, sh- you should be, but he he is a roller coaster, somewhat of a player, but he has very high a very high ceiling, and um, he's tough as nails. He will get hit in the mouth and still deliver the ball downfield. He is aggressive. Uh, he is better moving in the pocket than people give him credit for, given his injury history. He can he can. He's mobile in that respect, sliding around. Uh, and again, that left that left hand is a rifle. That hand, le- that left hand is a pure cannon. Well, look, here's the thing with this with this quarterback class. There's a, no, there's four more guys that are sort of possibilities to be drafted in and around the one two turn or somewhere in the second round potentially. And that's Michael Pratt, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix, and Michael Penix. And these guys are, you know, also. I, 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 they're confusing prospects for me too. The the the, the quarterback. I think you just got to take the quarterbacks when they fall to you at value. Close your eyes, push the button, and just hope and pray that you got the good one. Because there's no real rhyme or reason to some of these quarterbacks hitting or missing. You know, uh, again, if they get draft capital, but even a little bit later, you know, we've seen uh, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Brock Purdy success stories later in the draft. Um, I don't know, man. I, you know, Michael Pratt, I know you love uh, Michael Pratt uh, at value. Again, you know, I don't know where you'd put these guys if 
you know, if we're running an NFL team, I'm not sure exactly how you feel about all these guys. Uh, if we have a late second round pick and all four of them are on the on the board, who you take in what order? But at the end of the day, there, there's if these guys get uh, first or second round capital, they're worth considering. That's all I'm going to tell you. I don't disagree with you. Michael Pratt is a gamer. He started as a true freshman at Tulane. Uh, he nearly beat that Zaven Collins Tulsa team for what is the AAC championship his freshman year. And now he's inconsistent. He's gotten better um, every single year. He has an NFL arm. He has NFL athleticism. He does not have NFL consistency at the position, but he will get drafted. The thing that I love about him is he will take off and he will run into linebackers and take hits, et cetera. And he nearly beat Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams at Oklahoma in 2021 and then came mm. back in 2022 and actually beat them in the bowl game. Uh, mm. Tulane beat beat uh, beat Oklahoma. Again, nearly did it two wow. years in a row. That dude is a gamer. Wow. And yeah. again, I don't care what level it is, you know, when you're starting as a true freshman – that's something I, I would pay attention to. So he has some he has some talent. Probably not a day one. Probably not a second round draft pick. Probably not a you know third. Probably talking about day three. But if there was you know a Jake Hayner in this class that 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 had the potential to be a starter at some point down the line, especially when we see as many injuries as we had at the quarterback position, I think Michael yeah. Pratt has the skills to one day be a starter. Yeah. What about JJ McCarthy? I'm not a fan of JJ McCarthy because I his offense hides him. Yeah. I mean, you, you watch watch them play Penn State where they didn't I don't think they ran the ball in the second half. Come on, man. Like well, I don't like JJ McCarthy at where he's projected to go. Sure. You said you don't you hate ADPs. Yeah, I, exactly. I see yeah. him see him you know at the back end of the first round i would not attach if i was an nfl general manager i would not attach my livelihood to jj yeah. mccarthy's development um what about bo nicks bo nicks was the laughing stock at auburn and all of a sudden now he's like yeah. i mean which which bo nicks is the real bo nicks who do we have who can we i don't even know who i can comp that to who is like that ill received at auburn and then kind of turned around because of Kenny right. Dillingham, because of Dan Lanning, now we're supposed to have confidence in them. Um, yeah, I don't feel as strongly about about Bo Nix as I do about Michael Penix Jr. And yeah. that's kind of like all I can say about about Bo. <laughs> right? I don't know, man. These it's too confusing. All right, man. As we get a little bit a little bit um, closer to the NFL draft, maybe we'll have you back. I know we do. Um, me and you have done some mock drafts over the over the course of time. I need to get a little bit more familiarized with this class. You have helped me do that. I think we kind of have an understanding. This is a wide receiver draft with, you know, look, seven quarterbacks. Two of them are going to be good. Which ones? Go ahead and fucking go fish. Um, and some, some late running backs. But I think that's what the class is. There's going to be some tight ends that step up. I don't even care about tight ends until – I, after the combine, I, I want to see, you know, I think we, we mentioned it last year on the show, me and you, we talked about Jalen Wattemeyer. Remember Jalen Wattemeyer was supposed to be good. And then all of a sudden he was, um, he ran like a 5.140 and it was like fucking light him on fire, shove him off the boat. He's done. You know, the, these, these tight ends need to show that they can run a four, seven, five or better. They have to be. Uh, these linebackers are too fast in the NFL. We can get a little bit, um, you know, tricked by their performance at the college level, 
And we saw it again with all these guys, Tucker Craft, uh, Musgrave, uh, Kincaid, uh, and, um, and Laporta, of course, all ran fast enough. And then they showed out at the NFL level. So we kind of knew what they were uh, once we saw them run. They, they elevated themselves. Musgrave got hurt his, his final year, didn't even perform, but we knew he was going to be a good NFL tight end based off of the, the, the film work we did, size, speed, specimen, and draft capital. That's all we need. So we're going to figure it out as we go. We're so grateful to have Mr. Felix Sharp on the show. Felix, tell the fine people where they can find your awesome work. And please go on Twitter and follow Felix Sharp. Now at Sharp Review. Yeah, at Sharp Review at CampusDecanton.com. Uh, That's the website. Check us out on YouTube. We're, we've been putting out content daily, really uh, following the college game. So find me there. I love you, buddy. We, we went long, but the people love it. People love a long podcast from me and Felix Sharp. On behalf of everybody here at The Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at The Undrafted, on behalf of the most angry elf in Philadelphia, the greatest podcast producer that has ever existed, is now just a sad Philadelphia Eagle fan, Mr. Michael P. Duncan. You have been joined by Mr. Felix Sharp. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out. Wow.